0: I wonder how Mark feels this morning, if he feels like he's been valued. I wonder if he feels like there's been, like we're a thoughtful congregation. I've entitled our series SENT, and I've made up an acronym for that, See Every Need Transformed. See Every Need Transformed transformed. Everybody walks in here with needs. Everybody you meet in the grocery store or at the cash register or at the bingo hall or on your job or at the bus stop has needs. And our goal is to transform those needs, to introduce them to the guy who can. Isn't that true? You know what? there's a miracle for that need whatever that person needs there's a miracle for that need And you know what that miracle might look like there's a smile for that need there's a hug for that there's time for that and I hope that we get to the place where we say I'm the person for that how many of you have ever heard this expression there's an app for that there's an a- see. I'm the person for that. I'm the person to meet that need. I'm the person to give that hug. I'm the person to give that smile. I'm the person to go over to Mark and be sure he knows that he's the most important person here today, along with you if you're a guest. (laughs) I don't want to single anybody out. Well, I've done a good job, I think, by mentioning Mark this morning, and now everybody's going to be sure to find out who Mark is. And in a congregation this size, that's going to be somewhat obvious. Obvious. What is the context of the gospel? What brings definition to the gospel? It's one thing to believe in the good news. It's one thing to say that our church shares the good news. We preach the good news. But you know what? To the average person, that's meaningless. Because it doesn't have definition. It doesn't have substance. And this morning we're going to give that phrase substance. Here's the text that was referred to in our video. Therefore, if anyone, if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort provided by love and fellowship in the Spirit, any affection or mercy, complete my joy and be of the same mind by having the same love, being united in the Spirit and having one purpose. Instead of being motivated by selfish ambition or vanity, each of you should, in humility, be moved to treat one another as more important than yourself. Verse 4. Each of you should be concerned not only about your own interests but about the interest of others as well. I found it interesting that those four verses are actually one long sentence. There's no punctuation. It's all one thought in the way that Paul originally wrote it. Here's the Phillips translation of that, and I love this. None of you should think only of his own affairs, but should learn to see things from other people's point of view. You know, everybody here this morning has a point of view. And it's not the same as mine. Mark's is not the same as mine. Our other guests that are here, you have a point of view already just by what you've experienced since walking in our front doors. You have a point of view and what's important for everyone sitting here who attends Genesis regularly is to let go of your own affairs when you get here or even when you're out shopping when you're out in the public when you're engaging with other people let go of your own affairs and realize that other people have other points of view the message translation says forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand The Passion Translation says, Possess a greater concern for what matters to others instead of your own interests. How do we bring context to the gospel? Weiss Translation says, By having the same divine self-sacrificial love. Amplified translation of verse 4 in our text says, Do not merely look out for your own personal interests but also for the interests of others. May I say something to you this morning that the context of the gospel is not moral behavior or holiness. It's love and service. We are not bringing the gospel to our community until we begin to love them, serve them, and let go of our own affairs and think first about others. There's five things that keep us from being other people-centered. Here's the first one. I don't have enough time. And here's what the Bible says about there. There could be many reasons why (laughs) you feel that way, by the way. Even scientific ones. Not waking early enough. Trying to multitask. Did you know that most people are not good multitaskers? And that when you try, your efficiency goes way down because you're not doing any single thing well. I fancy myself a great multitasker. You know what I've realized? I stink at it. I really need to focus on one thing. I get so spread thin trying to do a dozen different things that I realize I've just wasted an hour and gotten nothing done. And boy is the internet the biggest bomb in distracting us and pulling us in different ways. You get on there to browse and research one thing and all of a sudden you're over here watching a video on something having nothing to do with why you got on the internet. We live our lives that way. And we wonder why guests and visitors come and go from our church and don't come back. So, I don't have enough time, Pastor Jeff. Jesus had an interesting transaction with somebody called Martha. She had a sister named Mary. The two of them were hosting dinner one evening at their house Jesus came, and when he came, Martha, it says, was distracted, but Mary sat at his feet and talked to him and learned. Martha, seeing what Mary was doing, you know the story, got very upset with the Lord and went to him and said, Lord, don't you care? Look at all the work there is to do here, getting ready for this dinner, and my sister's just sitting in there listening to you. Here was the Lord's response. Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but only few things are needed, and indeed only one, and Mary has chosen the good one the rest of the text says. The second thing that keeps us from being other people centered, it isn't my calling, Pastor Jeff, really. Here's Romans chapter 12, Paul seemed to think it is. Let us not allow slackness to spoil our work and let us keep the fires out of the Spirit or keep the fires of the Spirit burning as we do our work for God He said in Galatians chapter 6, don't be misled. No one makes a fool of God. What a person plants, he will harvest. The person who plants selfishness, ignoring the needs of others, ignoring God, harvests a crop of weeds. The third way in which we become distracted and are not able to be other people centered is a sense of feeling I'm unworthy. You know, I'm unworthy. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 5 says, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to claim anything is coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God. When you're feeling unworthy, unfeeling to unworthy to share the goodness of God, the message of Christ, to be invitational, to be thoughtful towards somebody, what you have to say is, you know what? My sufficiency in this doesn't come from myself. It comes from Jesus. It comes from the Holy Spirit who lives within me. The fourth thing that gets in the way is I don't have enough energy. (laughs) I remember saying that in a group of people just this week. I'm tired. (laughs) I'm tired. I I just don't have the energy to be thoughtful about you. I'm just trying to keep my own head above water. Now, I didn't say all of that to them. I just felt it. Now, the rest of you, don't look at me in that tone of voice because you know you've been there, you've felt it too. I don't have enough energy, Pastor Jeff. Well, here's Paul's response to that, Romans chapter 12. Don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled. Apparently, we have something to do with that. Keep yourselves. See, it's a decision. Keep yourself fueled and aflame. Be alert, servants of the Master. Cheerfully expectant. Don't quit in hard times. Pray all the harder. Help needy Christians. Be inventive in hospitality. That is why we're taking this approach to Easter. And you know what? As my wife leaned over and told me here this morning, this isn't just about Easter, this is about changing the DNA of this church because if Genesis is truly going to carry this message of the good news if we're truly going to be reconcilers to God then this whole idea of thoughtfulness and being other people centered needs to be part of our DNA you heard them talk about it in the training video And the fifth thing that keeps us from being other people centered well, let me read this first, Galatians chapter 6. So let's not allow ourselves to get fatigued doing good. Let's not allow. Read it out loud. I'm in the way, aren't I? Read it aloud. Let's not To get fatigued doing good. At the right time, we will harvest. Y'all are good. All right, and the last one this morning just love this. I think the Holy Spirit said this to me I'm not God. I don't love people like you do. I don't care for people like you do. I don't want to be around people like you do. I don't want to listen to people like you do. In fact, Lord, I'm not a savior. I'm glad you are. Because if it relied on me, the whole bunch of them would be going too. And that's another conversation we should talk about sometime. But Paul again said in Philippians... To discover your own completeness in Christ frees you to turn your attention away from yourselves to others. The way Jesus saw himself is the only valid way to see yourself. I'm not God. Well, no, you're not the divine Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But the Creator lives in you. You are born of his spirit. He lives in you and you live in him. For you to speak, he's speaking. For you to go, he goes. When you are sent, that's like Jesus going. In fact, the reason Jesus had to leave the earth was so the Holy Spirit could come, inhabit all of us, and we could go now and carry this message all over the world where as Jesus was limited to one geographic area I want to tell you a quick story about the very first church that ever existed very first one they struggled with context and purpose So much so that in the midst of a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit, lots of great activity, many people coming to Christ, there was a division between some of the old religious leaders and the way they used to do things and this new outpouring of the Holy Spirit where they were being trained, even watching videos on how to be thoughtful, how to love others, You missed a place to laugh. You know they didn't have videos back there, right? All right. But here's this new group, empowered by the Holy Spirit, saying, Come on, this great message of reconciliation is ours to take to the world. And the older bunch, this bunch stuck in religion, said, But we have to be sure they measure up first. We have to be sure they obey our laws first. We have to be sure that they go through our membership class first. We have to be sure that they get properly baptized first. We have to be sure that they stop cussing. And, oh, Lord, they must know that drinking alcohol is wrong. And rock records, we got to get them delivered from rock music. Now, I'm simply going over my past here. All right? I was there I told you last week I was a legalist this this division and this argument got so big so cantankerous that it was going to split the church wide open and a few of the apostles got together and said okay I want all the elders and all the rest of the pastoral staff to come over to the church building. We are going to meet behind closed doors this afternoon, and we're talking this out. Now, be there. And in Acts chapter 15, it talks about this special meeting that they had. And after James had listened to everybody, he stood up and he said a number of things but one of the greatest quotes in all of the Bible, Andy Stanley, in fact, has it on a placard on his desk, was this. And so my judgment is that we should not put obstacles in the way or make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Stop teaching people religion and putting requirements upon them of all the hoops they have to jump through before they can be a part of your church or serve in your church or feel like they're loved by Jesus because as I said this whole thing is not about moral behavior or behavior change it is about love and service stop putting obstacles in the way of people and making it difficult for them to come to God and I want you to know especially leading into this Easter weekend in four weeks that the pastoral staff of this church is sitting around the table praying dialoguing and asking the Holy Spirit for fresh wisdom on how we can eliminate obstacles eliminate it being difficult here at Genesis for people to come into a living, vibrant, transformational relationship with Jesus. Now, I need to tell you something, though. How many of you have ever heard this term? There's a shift coming. There's a shift coming. We've talked about it at Genesis for years. There's a shift coming. Oh, there's a I just sensed something special in the Holy Spirit. Boy, the spirit of prophecy came this morning and he said, there's a shift coming. And we, are, we all get excited. Wow, God's bringing a, a shift. And then a few months later, we're still kind of wrestling with being in the same place, doing the same thing, getting the same results as what we've had for years. And I have something I need to tell you. we've talked about a shift coming but dear ones you are the shift there's no shift coming you're here what if we made the guest experience at Genesis so over the top that our guests said these people thought about me when they leave I hope every guest here this morning has that experience. And you still have time. Every one of you still have time this morning to be the shift at Genesis. Don't you dare let a guest that you don't know their name. If you don't know their name, they're a guest to you. You may have seen them here for months. They're a guest to you. You go learn somebody's name. If you see a fresh face around here, you go introduce yourself. Invite them to lunch. Tell them you'd love to get together for coffee. Show them something beyond yourself. Now, every one of you have one of these on your seat that we put there as, again, part of this whole scent series, OK? Let's go ahead. Go ahead and grab them. Let's be sure. Everybody gets one. Jim, could you help us? If if somebody's without one, let's be sure. we. And if you'd like to take two or three, absolutely. Now, here's the deal. Between now and next Sunday, we would like every one of you to think about somebody else. And give this to somebody as a very simple invitation to Easter. You don't have to preach. You don't have to convince them that all the stories in the Bible are true. (laughs) That's so hard, man. When you want to convince people that the Bible's true, stop. Just stop it. That is not the gospel. Remove those obstacles. Yeah, but you don't know how they live. Oh, it's repugnant. Get rid of the obstacle. Love them. Serve them. And give them an Easter invite. (laughs) Now, we're not done. We've got three more weeks where we're going to combine video training and a message like this to bring home to you some aspect of hospitality and serving. Uh, Jeff, could we please show the new signage that goes out on the sidewalk this week? We've had new signs made. That's one side of it. Jeff, could you show them the other side? So these will be out on the sidewalk, and well past Easter, that one will become continually on the sidewalk. And by the way, I might say that Mark, who you've not yet met, is here this morning because he was shopping at Ace. Boy, I'm sure glad it was Ace and not that liquor store to the right of you. No, you've got it all wrong. You've got it all wrong. By the way, One of those goes on each side of our doors. Because when they're walking this way, they'll see the Easter message. When they're coming back this way, they'll see that one. Hope, healing, inclusive and welcoming, love without judgment. They can come in here and find that. But you know what? More importantly, let me tell you something that the Holy Spirit said to me this week. And I hope that this just gets in the DNA of all of us and transforms this whole church. He said to me, and I quote, these are his words, I wrote them down. I told Nina about them because they came to me so strong. Jeff, you came here to build a church. I brought you here to build a community.